Well, I don't know about you guys, but I have been very much blessed um, as we have went through and been talking about life and the Spirit, and especially uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and just talking about these different flavors and really kind of looking into these. And today, the idea is, is on gentleness, and, and it is, a, um, it is a, a gentle strength, really, that we are talking about today. Um, gentleness, it's the quality of being kind, tender, or mild-mannered according to Webster's uh, Dictionary. The Greek word is preus, and, and it means gentle, humble, or meek. It's, it's translated, the same word is translated all three of those different ways um, in the Bible, in the New Testament. And this is a character trait that applies just as much to big football players as it does to grandmas, right? As this idea of being gentle. It's a, it goes across the continuum. It's across, uh, it goes across into all areas of life and people and manners. And, 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 and so we want to look at this idea of what it is to be a people who are really gentle. And I, and I believe that this is something that the church really has to get a hold of. God's people have to get a hold of how to be gentle, how to, how, to, how to present, how to talk, how to have conversations, and maybe at times, right, conversations that aren't easy or com- conversations with people who we might not be in agreement with by any means, but we want to continue to be a people who are gentle, right? So in our experience, a lot of times when we start thinking about people who are gentle, we also think about people who, while being super gentle in almost all areas of life, also lack uh, the, the ability to, um, to, have, to, to apply force or a little bit of a force, maybe that's not the right word, but, but, but when it's needed to, to kind of extend into a situation of being gentle but yet still... Um, powerful, basically. This is really what the biblical idea of gentleness looks like. Um, in the Beatitudes, right, uh, in, in Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, Jesus says this. He, he makes an interesting statement. He says that the meek, the meek shall inherit the earth, right? Now, be honest with me. When I say meek, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Weak, right? Meek equals weak, But meek does not equal weak by any means. As a matter of fact, if we're going to be a people who are gentle, if we're going to be a people who are patient, if we're going to be a people who are kind and full of goodness and things like that, there's a lot of power that is going to have to be kind of held in because it takes power to do those kinds of things. These things are not easy things. As a matter of fact, they're quite difficult things. It's much easier to to not be gentle. It's much easier to not be kind a lot of times or or good on a lot of levels. And and so this idea is that that meek, meek does not equal weak. Meek equals power under control. It, it means power placed under the right place. It's, it's power that is submitted to an authority greater than itself. If, if we had a guy, if, if, if you were a Navy SEAL today in here, or, or, or you know, some kind of special ops guy or something like that, you see, when, when, when a Navy SEAL goes and he takes and he places his, his power that he brings into a team, when he places it underneath the, his commanding officer, He's in his right place, right? That, that, that power now is brought into a, a place of control 
and it's able to be used in the manner in which it was designed to be used. If, if he just goes off and does his own thing, he's probably going to get killed and everybody else killed around him. You see, there's a necessity for his power to be brought under control and to be submitted to an authority greater than himself. And this is, this is the idea here of, of the gentleness that God is calling us to. Meek is not weak. It's power under control. And it takes power to be patient, kind, humble, loving, etc., etc. See, we're called in the Bible to be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. So, so in this idea of being gentle, I'll just tell you right now, it's not about being a doormat. It really isn't about being a doormat. It doesn't mean that you just got to be the Christian doormat that everybody just gets to walk all over and step all over. And now you, in order to be gentle and kind and good, you have to just take it. That's really not what we're talking about. We're going to be wise as serpents. What does that mean? That means that we're, it's going to take discernment in this world. We're going to have to be hearing from the Spirit and, and, and in relationship to the Spirit as we do life right now so that we can hear from the Spirit so that we can discern and we can be wise. That, that, that this wisdom that we have wouldn't be an earthly wisdom, but that it would be a, a godly kind of a wisdom. But we're always called to be as gentle as a dove. That we wouldn't be harmful, that, that we could take and we could bring uh, these characteristics of Jesus into the situation. See, Jesus is the ultimate example of gentleness or meekness or humility, however you want to lay it out there. He's the ultimate example of this. And he has the, it's the, Jesus was the greatest one at applying strength to tender situations. And this is what we're called to do. We're, we're, apply, we're called to apply strength into very tender and difficult situations. There are things that we need to do with kid gloves at times. Let's look into some of the verses and stuff that, that surround this idea of gentleness. Right here, Isaiah 40, verses 10 and 11. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So again, it's this picture of both power and gentleness. His, he is coming with his might and his arm rules from him. His reward is with him and his recompense or his payback for what has happened is with him. And he rightly will judge all things one day. And Jesus, when he returns, is going to set the book straight. And he's going to do that, and it's going to be right with him, and it's going to be right with everything when he does that. But in the meantime, he tends his flock like a shepherd, and he gently leads those that are with young, right? He's, he's not a shepherd who's out there kicking the sheep, right? He's not beating the sheep. He's gently leading the sheep. It, it, you know, we see the pictures all the time, the imagery of Jesus as he holds a lamb, and he walks, and he leads it. Psalm 23, he, he leads us beside still waters. You see, a shepherd back in the day of those times, they, they, didn't, they didn't drive the sheep from behind. They walked in front, and the sheep heard their voice. The, the, the sheep knew their voice, and when they came out from the sheepfold, each flock of sheep would go and find its particular shepherd. And then he would sing, or he would talk, and, and he would walk, and as he walked, the sheep would follow him because they knew him. This is why Jesus says, my sheep... They know my voice and they follow me. It's this picture of tenderly 
leading. It's a, it's a tender, gentle leadership, and we're going to talk some more about that here as we come up. Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 3, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. It's a picture of, of Jesus, this, this, these, these verses here dealing with him and the chosen one, the servant, the anointed one who would come. But when he came, see, he came with humility and, and gentleness. He didn't come making a big deal of himself. He didn't come full of pomp and splendor and, and this king that's paraded through the streets. No, he came quietly. He didn't lift up his voice. Why? Because he's humble, and he still doesn't. He's still a humble shepherd who wants to lead you and I. And he's not going to beat you into submission. He's not going to make you go into these places. He's gentle, and he's good, and he's kind. And it's his desire to lead us beside still waters and to, and to place us in pastures and all of those kinds of things and, and provide for us. And look at this. It says here, a bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. You see, when we're broken and, and, we're, and we're struggling, and we've got nothing left, and, and, and we're wondering who it is, you know, we, we can come to him, and he's open, and he's never going to break that reed that's bruised. The, the bruised brokenness that's within you and me, he's going to handle that very gently and with great kindness and great healing power and, and abilities, and this is what Jesus wants to do, but he's not going to just, he's not just going to break you. See, but we're afraid he will. We're afraid a lot of times that if we, if we come to God, if he knows about me, what, 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 what I know about me, that, that he's going to break me. He's gonna, but this is not who he is. He's, he's, he's careful. He's kind. And he's gentle. And, and if we've got just a little bit of light and we, don't, we can't see anything and we feel like we're in the dark and we've, we've almost lost everything, he's not just going to snuff you out. As a matter of fact, he's going to tend that wick, and he, he's, going to, he's going to create something in you that begins to burn brighter and brighter. He's, going to, he, he's there. This is the God that we're talking about. So many times, he just gets a bad rap. We look at, we look at the God of the Old Testament, or we look at, at some of these things, and, and we're just upset today because God doesn't fit into the box that we think that he ought to fit into sometimes. But I want you to know, I want us to see and to begin to understand he's everything that you ever wanted. He's everything that we've ever desired or ever wanted. A bruised reed, he won't break it. A faintly burning wick, he's not going to just snuff it out. Zechariah 9.9, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble or gentle and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Again, many of you know this, but, but if you don't know it, when a king came riding into a city, when he came riding in, if he was riding on a donkey, it meant that he was coming to seek peace. If he came riding a horse, it meant that he was coming to make war. Jesus, as he entered into Jerusalem in his ministry and as he was going to the cross, he, he rode a donkey in, meaning that he'd come to establish peace with you and I. 
to come and, and to do for us. He was bringing salvation. He's going to go to the cross, and he's doing the very thing that we couldn't do, which was pay for our sin debt. He's humble, mounted on a donkey, and he entered into Jerusalem, and he was gentle, and he was good. But remember, he was also powerful and full of strength. He, he rode in on the donkey, but the next day, remember, he's overturning the tables in the temple as well. Why? Because what was supposed to be happening in there wasn't happening in there. Because there was, there was uh, the power that had been given to the, to, the, to the people in charge of the temple, the priests and, and the scribes and those people, they, they had been corrupted by the power. They were taking the court of the Gentiles and they were using it to make money. They were, they were exchanging money and they were doing it at such a rate that they were ripping people off and they were selling doves to the to the poor people and lambs at a, at a at a at a really jacked up price and what was supposed to be happening in there which was the place for the gentiles it was the one place in the temple where anybody could be and they had it so full that there wasn't room there wasn't room for anybody and this is why Jesus in his righteous indignation his gentle spirit even though he came and he overturned the tables and he said no we're not going to do this so Jesus in his gentleness at times will exert his power and that is not a contradiction to gentleness it's him doing it in a right and a righteous way how's the world going to How's the world going to emulate this if the church doesn't learn how to be gentle? See, if the world out there that's struggling with all kinds of things and all kinds of problems and all kinds of delusions and and deceptions in this world today, and it's getting more and more ramped up all of the time, if they can't believe that God's people and that a church can be gentle with them and kind and loving and good, then how are they ever going to come in here? How are we ever going to convince somebody that we might know something or that we might exist in this world in a way that's different than everybody else if we don't start to apply kindness, goodness, gentleness into our conversations, into the world around us? See, the problem with us is that, is, is that, is that sometimes when conversation starts to ramp up, well, so do we, right? And we, we just carry it right up. But, but the Bible tells us that a gentle answer turns away wrath. Right? It's, it's those places where we can still be gentle and disagree with somebody or maybe speak some hard truth with somebody that starts to set things apart. You see, there's a power in gentleness. There's a real power in it. There's a, it's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. And, and, and there's a power in it, and it's an attractive power. And it pulls people towards us. It pulls people towards the cross and towards Jesus, right? Because it's his kindness, that leads people to repentance. It's, it's not judgment. It's the idea of his kindness. And we have, to, we have the greatest message ever, that you can be a new creation. That regardless of what you're struggling with today, regardless of where you're at, regardless of how deep you might be into something, that Jesus can recreate something new in you. You can be a new creation today, made new, completely different. That happened to Paul. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. This is Paul. This is the guy who a short time earlier is running around murdering Christians, putting them in, in, in chains, taking them to jail, shutting down the churches. 
But he has an encounter with Jesus, and it changes him, and it leaves him a new creation. And it creates something in him where there was harshness, and there was anger, and there was, there, there was malice. There started to be kindness and goodness and gentleness. It changed him, and he began to care, and, and now he's planting churches, and he's nurturing it, and he uses this example, which is the most beautiful picture of gentleness ever, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. There's just nothing that engenders the idea of gentleness more than this, and this is Paul, a murderer who had come to know something through his relationship to Jesus, his experience with Jesus left him gentle and humble. Doesn't mean that sometimes he didn't exert the power that he had. We see him too in Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Right? He, he, sometimes, he was, sometimes he was a little bit more, he exerted some power, which is, which is fine, but we always need to remember that we're doing this in gentleness. You see, Jesus in the cross shows us the ultimate in meekness, power under control. See, think about this. God is, he is turning the tables on everything. He's doing it upside down and backwards to everything that we think. He's defeating death with death. And he's using meekness and gentleness as power as he does this thing. They're taunting him. They're telling him, why don't you just come off of that cross? If you're really who you say you are, why don't you just save yourself and come down off of there and just prove it to us and all of these things. There's never been more of an unjust act ever than the perfect Son of God who knew no sin to be placed on the cross and to have, and then to become the curse that all of the sin of the world is applied to him so that he might pay the penalty for that and release righteousness to whoever would call upon his name. There's, there's never been a, a, a greater act of meekness or power that is under control. Because I can tell you right now, if I'm on the cross and people start taunting me about coming off, I'm coming off right now and I'll show you. Bzz, bzz, bzz. I mean, that's, what, that's me. That's what I would do. But that's not Jesus. And that's not the example that he set in before us. With his gentleness and his goodness and his meekness. And he holds all power. We're not just talking about him being powerful. We're talking about that Jesus holds all power, that he holds all things together by the power of his might. The whole universe, if he ever ceased to hold it together, it would fly apart tomorrow. He holds all power, but yet he's meek. And, and he subjected himself to his creation. The creator of all things subjected himself to his creation. And then in meekness and gentleness withheld all of that power and allowed himself to die so that you and I might have a way back into the presence and into the relationship with a holy and perfect God because we couldn't get there. We couldn't do it. See, we, we, had, we had fallen short. We, we, we had failed. We, we can't undo the wrongs that we've done in our lives. And, and, and good works doesn't balance it back out. You, it doesn't matter. You, you, you can't go, you know... You can't go 70 down Main Street, right? And you can, you know, just try it. Well, maybe, well, maybe don't say I tried. I told you to try it. Don't do that. But, but think about this. If you think you can work yourself back into favor or back into rights by, by you know, well, I'm, I'm basically, you know, I've, yeah, I've done some bad things, but I've, I'm basically a good person. Well, just try this, okay? Go to the first stoplight and share it, and when the light turns green, go 70, 
okay? Police are going to pull you over. They're probably going to have guns out, stuff like, silly stuff like that. But anyway, they're going to be upset. They're going to pull you over. They're probably going to take you to jail for that. Speed limit's 20, okay? Don't worry about it, though. You get to jail. You bond out Monday morning. Here's what you do. You go back to that same stoplight, okay? When that stoplight turns green again, you go 10, carefully looking for children and old ladies, right? 10, 10 miles an hour, all the way down to the way down by Emit. You just go 10. That's Monday. Tuesday, you come back. You do the same thing. Wednesday, you come back. You go 10 again. Thursday, Friday, same thing. Saturday, 10 miles an hour. Sunday, 10 miles an hour. Back to, back to uh, court on Monday. Judge comes in and says, what do you think you're doing? You could have killed somebody out there. What, what do you think you're doing going 70 miles an hour down Main Street? You just tell them, hush, hush. Here's what you don't know. Okay. I went 70. Okay. But here's what you don't know. Is it Monday I came back and I went 10? And then I went 10 on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. And, and, and that's the speed limit's 20. So, so 20 minus 10 is 10. 10 times 7 is 70. 70 minus 70 is 0. I'll see you later. See, we can do all the good things that we want to do, but it doesn't offset the wrong that we've done. It doesn't change that. It's still there. The issue is still the fact that we went 70, not the... The issue is fine that we went 10. That was fine. No problem there. But that's not the issue. The issue was the time where we've been in offense. And the cross is the ultimate in God's gentleness towards us, His meekness, His goodness, His power under control. We got to remember as a church that... that uh, that when we, when we restore people, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And to be honest with you, the saints can be really hard on one another. Harder than maybe we are on the rest of the world sometimes. But if anybody messes up, if anybody falls, if anybody backslides, then A, here's the first thing, not just anybody should go, but those who are walking in the Spirit, those who are spiritual, should restore Him in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Not beat Him up, not go smack Him around with the Bible and kick Him around a little bit or anything like that. It's about that we're to come with gentleness, the same way that Jesus came for us. We're to be a gentle people. James 3, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. There are two kinds of wisdoms, it says. There's a worldly wisdom that is based in the unspiritual and in the demonic, and then there's a wisdom that comes from above. And when we're walking in that kind of wisdom, it's pure, peaceable, gentle. It's open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial, and it's sincere. And any time that we're outside of the spectrum of that, then we can understand and we can know that I'm not actually walking in the Spirit at this moment. The wisdom that I'm listening to is, is mine. It's worldly. It's, it's not of God. 
But whenever we can walk in this, and especially when we can walk in this in the midst of conflict, then we're walking with the Spirit. You see, Jesus, he handled people with all of this gentleness. I'm thinking back at some of the examples. You think about like Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus, everybody hated that guy. He was a traitor. He was a traitor to the Jewish people. He was a Roman tax collector. They hated him. And he was a small guy, and, and he climbed up in a tree, right? And, and Jesus, as he's going by, whom everybody loves, everybody's there to see Jesus. And, and, and it's this crowd of people, and they're loving him. And I love this. What Jesus does is he says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over to your house tonight for dinner. And you think, well, how presumptuous. But, but think about what Jesus is doing. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm Zacchaeus' friend. I want you guys all to know that. You guys are all admiring me, and, and you hate that guy. But, but I, hey, Zach, I'm coming over to your house tonight, Zach. Changed everything for Zacchaeus, didn't it? And the kindness of that, it says that Zacchaeus gave back four times what he had taken. The kindness of Jesus led Zacchaeus to repentance. It changed his life. The adulterous woman, right? Who's, who's brought out and thrown in, 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 at the feet of Jesus in all of her shame. And they say, the, the, the Pharisees say, well, here she is now. Let's stone her. Uh, we caught her in the very act, it says, of adultery. The very act, it said, but it's kind of interesting. There's no guy there. Just her. Thrown out there in all of her shame. And, and, and Jesus is so gentle with her. So caring. And he just says out there, okay, well, all right, if, that, if that's the law that we stone people, then okay. Then I guess the, the, you know, the one of you that, that has no sin, why don't you throw the first stone? We'll go from there. And they all start walking away, starting with the oldest and finally with the youngest, right? And Jesus says to her, ah, well, does no one condemn you? She says, no one. He says, I guess I don't either then. See, because there was one there that matched that qualification. There was a qualification, a qualifier given to the first stone. It was for he who was without sin could cast the first stone, and anybody was justified after that to throw some stones. But the one who was qualified said, I don't condemn you. He was gentle. He was kind. He was merciful. Bartimaeus, a blind guy, a beggar on the side of the street. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem as they go by Jericho, and, and here he is, and he starts to yell, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody's like, shut up. Shh, sit down. Take your place, you beggar. Don't bother Jesus. You're bothering Jesus, and he won't stop. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. And he says, bring him to me. So now the ones that were telling him to shut up have to go get him and bring him to Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see. Heals him, changes his life. Throws off his, his, his beggar's jacket and, and, and follows Jesus. The woman at the well, Jesus handles her with gentleness, you know, it's a really interesting story when you really get into it because what it does is it mirrors what happens when they're looking for a bride for Isaac. You see, when they're looking for a bride for Isaac, Abraham says, 
not from this place, <laughs> not any of these women around here. They're not good enough. I'm, I'm going to send my servant back to my home where it's better, back, back to where we're from, and he's going to find a wife for her there. And you know what? Whenever he get, So he goes, oh, my gosh, i got to go find a, 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 a bride for Isaac. And he goes and he, he prays. He says, Lord, he says, I tell you what, when I sit down by this well, he says, I'm going to ask the woman, a woman that comes up, give me a drink. And when she says, and she gives me a drink and says, I'll also water your camels too. I'll know that this is the one. And it says that, that she comes up and she is perfect and she's beautiful and she's pure and she's young and she's got all of these things going for her. And she comes up and, and, and he says, give me a drink. And she says, oh, absolutely. I'll give you a drink and I'll water your camels too. And camels drink a lot of water. It's a big job. And so she waters all of his camels. She's so agreeable and she's so beautiful and she's so pure and all of this stuff. And this is the bride for Isaac. But fast forward now, Jesus sits down by a well. And a woman approaches him and he says, give me a drink. Only she's not so young and beautiful and doesn't have it all together. As a matter of fact, she's been kind of used up a lot. She's had five different husbands and the guy that she's with now isn't her husband. He's just using her. He won't do her the honor of marrying her. And Jesus says, give me a drink. And she says, who are you, a Jewish man, to even talk to me? And he's like, well, he's gentle. He doesn't say, well, fine, adios. He says, well, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me. And I would give you living water. And she says, well, you don't even have a rope or a bucket to pull up from. How are you going to get this living water? You think you're better than Abraham and all of everybody at this well and stuff? She's snarky because she's broken, because she's broken. And Jesus continues. He just meets her with gentleness there. And the ultimate thing in that picture is ultimately what he's doing is he's telling her, I'll be your husband. See, because... Jesus is the groom, and he's inviting her into a relationship with him, which would put her as part of the, the bride, the bride of Christ, and where men and stuff have just abused her, and, and, and then this guy is just using her right now, won't even marry her. Jesus is saying, look, why don't you come here? I'm gentle. I've got something for you. Peter's restoration. Do you love me? You know I love you. Different words, right? But, but Jesus was tender, and he restored him. A woman washing his feet with her tears and wiping it with her hair, and everybody else around there is saying, man, if he knew, if he's really a prophet, and he knew what she's done, and she knows who she is, that he would just stop that right now. He wouldn't let her do that, because she's a mess. And Jesus says, those who love more or have been forgiven more, love more, and all of these kinds of things. And, he, and, and he, he's gentle with her, and he cares for her. And he says, Simon, you know, I, 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 you, you, you never even offered this when I came into your house. You never even offered to clean my feet. But, but she, she hasn't stopped. She loves a lot. And Jesus is, 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 is gentle with her. And this is the call for Christian men and women. 1 Peter 
3, 3 through 4. This is for you, ladies, okay? Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Well, what's that saying? Is that saying that you, you, you can't fix your hair, you can't wear jewelry? No, it's not what it's saying. It's saying... Don't just try to be Kim Kardashian or something. Don't, 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 don't think that it's all external. It's not external. It's internal. Don't live like everything about your value and your worth is, is, is brought from, from what you present and how you present yourself and how, how, how much you can get yourself made out. Understand that it's, it's a within kind of a beauty that God is looking for. It's a gentle and quiet spirit. And man... 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Very misquoted verse, right? We'll hear that, that the love of money is the root of all evil. No, it's the root of all kinds of evil. Money, it has no morality of its own. The morality of money is found in the person who holds it and spends it. But greed leads to all kinds of evils. And that's the absolute truth. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, or love, steadfastness, and gentleness. This is the call for godly men is to to live as gentlemen and gentlewomen, right? But to to flee that, to recognize. The the beauty of the cross tells us this. It it says in James, it says that, that, that the poor man is to glory in his high position. He's to recognize he's not his poverty, He's his position in Christ. And the rich man, though, is to glory in his humiliation. Why? Because he's not his stuff either. And, and he probably needs to come down here and he needs to humble himself and recognize that, that, that life is more than stuff. If you have a lack of stuff, that's not your identity. If you have a lot of stuff, that's not your identity either. And we're to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Leadership. 2 Timothy 2, 24, 25, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. We've got to get a hold of this, guys. We've got to learn how to have conversations that are not comfortable, but we've got to do it with kindness, and we've got to patiently endure with those who are struggling. We do this with gentleness. If all you've got and you're a leader is a hammer, you're not a leader, okay? If all you've got in your toolbox is a hammer, then you're a dictator. We lead, we want to lead with gentleness. Nobody's going to want to follow you either if you don't have any gentleness. Titus 3, 1, 2. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authority, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one. This is for us, church, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward those who agree with us. Amen. That's the easy thing, right? The hard thing is to all people. To all people. This is the call. This is the high call. And here's the reality. You and I can't do it. We can't do it. Maybe for a minute. Until I get mad. Until I get upset. But you see, through Christ, we can do all things. 
There is no limitation. And as we learn more and more to, to walk by the Spirit, here is the, inf- here is the invitation. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly or humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We can learn from Jesus, and just like, just like Ben was saying this morning, he's not calling us to just go out and do a bunch of things to appease him and to please him. He's telling us that, that when we yoke up with him, that we're actually going to find rest for our souls. We're going to quit striving in the same way that we've been striving because he's gentle with us. He's careful with us. So it's important. It's a big deal, guys. That we do this thing in gentleness. Your marriage, that you apply gentleness and kindness and goodness to your marriage. That we're not just taking chips out of each other all the time until the whole thing topples over, but that we are practicing gentleness. Parenting, that we're gentle as we parent. That we're not frustrating our children, but that we're gentle and that we're patient. That we're applying gentleness into parenting. Our neighbors, that we love our neighbor as ourselves, that we're gentle and loving and kind to our neighbors, to the church, that we want to be gentle with one another and careful with one another, and the world out there too. We want to be a people who are kind and gentle to all people, whether we agree with them or not. See, we can learn from Jesus And we can't do it without him. But he has a power of gentleness that he wants to teach to you and I. And he wants to grow us in this area. And he wants to help us. And the way to do that, the only way to do that is, A, first, you have to be in a relationship with him. You have to have said yes to this deal that he offers through the cross. The possibility of forgiveness through his shed blood on the cross. If you've said yes to that, then then we walk by the Spirit. Galatians tells us that if we walk by the Spirit, we won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. That, 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 it's, that there's a reality of, of a spiritual uh, spectrum that we live on. And if, we, if, you can't, if, you're, if you're here, you can't be here. If you're walking in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Why? Because you'd have to leave the Spirit to get there. Now, don't get me wrong. You can get there. But if we just keep pressing in, if we keep rooted into Him, if we keep growing in our relationship to Jesus, if we stay in the Word and we stay in fellowship and we continue to prioritize our growth in Him, these things are going to start showing up more and more and more in us individually and as a church body. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your gentleness, for Your goodness, for who You are. We thank you that, uh, that we're, we felt like we didn't deserve gentleness. You, you've given it to us anyway. You've, you've extended that. You've extended mercy and kindness and goodness to us. You've shown us what's good. You've told us what's good. You've given us a way to, to walk through this world, through this troubled, troubled place. And I'm just praying over each and every one of us that we would press into you, that we would walk by the Spirit, that we would be rooted and connected to you. And that, Lord, out of that, that we could show the love that you have, God, for the world around. And that we could have the message of hope. We could truly be ambassadors for you. We give you praise this day for your gentleness. We thank you for your your training.
and how you're teaching us and how you're moving us and you're helping us in this area. Help us to be more gentle. Help us to, to have a gentle answer that would turn away wrath. Help us to, to be open and help us to uh, not just avoid, not just be passive, but, but to move into some of these areas of conflict and difficulty in a positive and good way. Help us to bring the power of the Spirit into those conversations. Help us to be good, kind, and gentle. Help us to be meek and humble. Help us to remember that the power that you give us is meant to be placed back under your authority. And Lord, we thank you. I just thank you for each person here, and I'm praying over the weeks. I'm praying that as we go out of here, that we would go in power, that we would go in the meekness and the power that goes with that, and we would go out into the world, and we would fulfill the things that you call us to individually this week. And we're asking that, Jesus, your spirit would reign in this place, that you would rule and reign, and that you would fill this place with those who need to hear a message of hope. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.